Are you a caregiver? Or do you have a loved one who is aging and you or they might have questions that need to be answered? We have some answers that might help. This is Aging Life Network with Nancy Oriola. Today, you'll hear from experts and others related to the field of aging who will bring you answers, best practices, and tips for helping your loved one navigate this new part of life. Now, here is your host, Nancy Oriola. Hi, this is Nancy, and today we're talking about social isolation for seniors, reducing that social isolation, and um, with thoughtful engagement activities. So, hello, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, I will also be joined shortly by a very special guest, Crystal Littlejohn, and um, she will be talking about these things, we'll be discussing it. We are hearing the term social isolation more these days. Um, just to give you some context, I want to be a, um, I want to offer you the definitions for social isolation versus loneliness, um, although both I think will be addressed today. Social isolation is when you have, is, is when one has few social relationships or infrequent social contact with others versus loneliness, which is a more subjective feeling of being isolated. In the US, uh, more than 28% of those over age 65, uh, over age 60 live alone. And in the LGBTQ community, that number has doubled. Social isolation and old loneliness for older people is not a new phenomenon. In fact, prior to the pandemic, 43% of older adults reported feeling lonely and 25% were defined as socially isolated. Many seniors uh, move into retirement communities as a solution to this because of the social connection and activities. The effects of socialization is often written about in medical journals and addressed by mental health professionals. We know that being socially connected is viewed as one of the many preventions for Alzheimer's and dementia. Our guest today has been addressing it for several years in her practice. What is different now, folks, in bringing this topic to the forefront, no surprise, is COVID. Seniors are not leaving their homes. Those in independent living communities and retirement communities are being advised to stay in their apartments or rooms. Meals are being delivered to their door. Most activities have stopped. Visitors are restricted. In an effort to reduce the spread of the virus, stay-at-home orders, quarantining, and social distancing recommendations have exacerbated an already serious problem in the senior community. For most seniors, it feels like a matter of survival. And for those living alone, this has meant no human contact for months. Regardless of their living situation, interaction with others has been severely limited for most seniors. So um, I'd like to introduce Crystal Littlejohn. Um, she is a geriatric care manager. She's the founder and owner of a company called Geriatric Resources. She is also the founder of a business-to-business uh, -business, um, program um, that I believe, and she will talk about, has been doing for years called Thoughtful Engagement. 
Um, she and her firm and her care managers have been working with seniors through um, engagement activities for many years. And I am really delighted to have Crystal here to talk about this very important subject. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you so much, Nancy. And thank you for taking the time to um, shed a spotlight on this very important topic. Yes, it, it, it's, it's, you know, it was already a problem, but it, it is becoming defined globally as a public health you know, yet another part of the fallout of the pandemic in terms of a public health crisis. Um, So just to get us started, Crystal, can you tell us, can you say more about why social connection is so important for seniors? Uh, Absolutely. Great question. And to reiterate something that you've said, this is not a new problem. This is a problem that has existed for many years Um, but has truly been exacerbated by our current circumstances um, relative to the pandemic. Um, When you ask why social connection is important, I think back to an article that I read by uh, Krupa Shaw, who's an assistant professor at the University of Rochester School of Medicine. And she spoke on this topic in a meaningful way, in my estimation, five years before COVID, um, social connectedness, a person's level of quality contact with others. She defines this as it's the key to healthy aging. Studies have shown that older people who have close connections and relationships not only live longer, but they also cope better with health conditions and life experiences, Mm -hmm. and they experience less depression than those who lack social connectedness. Mm -hmm. So I think it really makes sense to then, you know, sort of draw the conclusion that this further illustrates that mind-body connection, that Mm -hmm. when your mind is well, your body tends to be more well and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I think that that really gets to the heart of why this is such an important matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, um, I'm a bit of a statistics nerd, and um, in researching for this show, um, I was reading that medically studies have shown an approximate 50% increase in risk of developing dementia, 29% increased risk of uh, coronary heart disease, 32% increased risk of stroke. And that was pre-pandemic. That was, uh, I mean, this is, these are articles that were written prior to March of 2020. And, you know, it it really is um, a significant health risk as well as mental health risk. Absolutely. The Centers for Disease Control lists that um, isolation is associated with a 50% increased risk of dementia. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Isolation, 29% risk, increased risk of heart disease, 32% Mm -hmm. increased risk of stroke. Um, Not to mention the higher rates of depression, anxiety, suicide. Um, It's affecting every part of us as human beings. And Mm -hmm. and this is before you consider 
um, those things that already isolate seniors. There may be hearing difficulties, visual difficulties, physical difficulties that prevent them from being able to get out and around to begin with. Um, so there's a level of isolation that we don't even consider um, that is, again, exacerbated by that, that sense of loneliness that can often come. Isolation mm -hmm. rivals, risk rivals those of obesity, smoking, and inactivity. I mean, that's very telling. Amazing. Really, isolation in and of itself Correct. rivals those other health conditions. Correct. What are you hearing from um, professionals you're working with, family members? Um, what are they telling you? What are they seeing? What are you seeing? I mean, you've been working in the field um, as a care manager. I'm sure you have clients who uh, are in facilities that no longer can be visited face-to-face. What are you seeing uh, with uh, the folks you're aware of and hearing about? We are about? hearing a rather dramatic impact, especially from our clients and at-home caregivers. Um, these individuals, especially the at-home caregivers, really rely upon that social infrastructure that they've developed for their loved one for respite for themselves. Mm -hmm. So we're finding that because of this isolation, the primary caregivers are reaching out to us and saying, the risk of this isolation for my loved one is far greater than the risk of contracting COVID. They are finding a decline in cognitive functioning, a decline in physical functioning, increased behavioral issues uh, where that individual may become agitated, frustrated. They're not completely understanding why they aren't going places and doing things. And the impact to that at-home caregiver has become so incredible that they have asked us to continue to see the clients because both of their survivals depend upon it. Mm-hmm. We're also seeing from our clients who um, are living in their own homes, they've become truly distanced from their um, informal support system. So a lot of times they could rely on that neighbor down the street or uh, the person who comes in to clean their house or um, things of that nature as their form of socialization. And as they isolate, those very limited people that have been engaging in their lives are also now not coming, making their lives smaller and more isolated. Mm -hmm. The professionals that we're working with uh, that have people in the facilities, we're hearing a lot that, okay, we're ready, we're going to open up just a little bit for patio visits or um, things of that nature, only to then have a case, maybe two days later, a staff member or a client, which causes them to close down again. So the frustration of these clients saying, oh my gosh, I get to see my daughter on Thursday for a patio visit. And suddenly they have a case, which causes that to be 
um, canceled is even more burdensome for both the loved one and the client themselves, as well as the staff who are doing their best um, to try to keep people safe. We completely understand the necessity of that, um, but the impact can't be understated. Mm-hmm. Has this... Um Has this understanding and reality um, occurred to primary care physicians, do you know? It has. As a matter of fact, I can talk to you about this week. I've had two physicians locally reach out to me about the thoughtful engagement program for two of their clients that one of the physicians said she is dying on the vine. Um, this isolation is is really doing irreparable harm to her as far as her emotional well-being. They're prescribing a lot more antidepressants, a lot more anti-anxiety medications. There are clients who are calling their office numerous times a day. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's presenting itself in different ways, both an increase in physical symptoms that they're describing, as well as an increase in their emotional systems. So the physicians are really trying to combat this as best they can, but many of them are only doing televisits. So another place where our clients would normally get some semblance of socialization is not available to them even in their physician's office. So these are very difficult times. And I'm hearing from, you know, both the provider side, the client side, the caretaker side, that this is just a very difficult time for everyone. Yes. And I, I've heard from numerous family members, particularly with loved ones in facilities that aren't able to allow visits or are not allowing visits, um, that they are seeing some significant cognitive changes uh, and decline. Absolutely, Nancy. Cognitive decline, mental health decline, physical mm-hmm. decline, um, either individually or collectively are affecting the people that we serve. So are you, uh, what are... What might be some of the signs that uh, folks in our audience would take note of um, that an older adult is being impacted in the ways you're suggesting by their isolation? So I think my first suggestion, Nancy, is to not wait until we see symptoms. Um, My first recommendation is to really think of creative ways to encourage and connect with um, your loved ones. For example, if there are individuals who are able to use a computer or an iPad, um, to be proactive in making visual connections with them, absent that, using whatever techniques are available to you to make at least phone calls to them, to connect with them. Um, In those situations where we aren't able to use computers, which for some people is a reality, look for those signs like, gosh, mom always answered the phone when I called. Now she's not always answering the phone or she's making the calls more brief than she had been in the past 
or you're getting frequent calls from your loved one um, and they're not quite sounding like themselves. You just have to look for signs that things are different, that they are being impacted because you will not likely hear the words, I'm depressed, I'm anxious. What you are more likely to hear is a change in that Mm -hmm. individual. And typically, depression or anxiety is at the root of that. Yes, um, right. I I need to go take a nap, you know, more frequent sleeping or, um, as you said, cutting off, cutting a phone call short. Oh, there's, you know, I'm busy. Um, and, and it may not even be something you are necessarily um, that you might normally pick up on unless you're consciously listening for those signs. That is a really good way to put it. We just have to raise our level of awareness of how our loved ones are doing, how they're sounding. But being proactive is the biggest key that I would recommend. So would you say even um, phone calls are um, certainly better than no calls? Um, Absolutely. And even the little things, Nancy, like we've been writing... Um, personalized cards to our clients. You would be amazed at the number of calls that we get back to say, I'm just happy to know that you were thinking about me and that I'm not alone. You know, Mm -hmm. handwritten cards, letters, calls, whatever we can do to bridge the gap of that isolation is Mm -hmm. highly recommended. Yes, um, I I think Uh, It would be helpful for um, community organizations and those in the industry to someone to be looking at um, volunteer peer-to-peer support through calls or or something like that. But we we are, um, yeah, I think also um, there's a lot more uh, products, uh, technology coming into the marketplace for, um, you know, use on iPads to communicate with seniors. We're seeing a little bit more of that. Um, I was reading, you know, in other countries, they're a little more advanced in that way than we are. Uh, But certainly it's sort of like working at home. You know, we're we're all learning new things. And I think um, when we can um, set someone up, with technology, you know, something simple to use. Um, that would be a helpful thing to do. Um, so I, I'm sorry, we have to take a break and um, it's required. And when we come back, Crystal, I would like to talk a little bit more about some of the ways that, um, you know, others can can engage seniors to assist with isolation. But um, I want to talk about you and the work you've been doing for the last few years with seniors. And so if you don't mind, stay right there. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step? Is your family in crisis? Do you need advice or help making a difficult decision for an aging loved one? 
Aging Life Network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation, offer practical step-by-step -step guidance, tell you the questions to ask, and help you understand the maze of options. Their network of life care professionals, available to you through HIPAA-compliant video conferencing and calls, will work with you to create action plans to solve your current and real-time problems. Aging Life Network's online educational center, ALN Academy, offers 24-7 access to the most up-to-date and accurate information for seniors and their families. Through podcast interviews with senior care experts, articles, and live webinars, Aging Life Network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one. Check out aginglifenetwork.com today and find the answers you need. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, I'm here with Crystal Littlejohn. We're discussing social isolation and ways of reducing um, that isolation uh, for our loved ones and seniors that we work with. Um, thanks, Crystal, for being here. Thank we, you for having me. You bet. Um, we were talking about ways that um, folks out there can help, uh, small ways, other ways. Um, I, I think you'd like to continue with that. So w what else um, sh would you like to share with our audience? Absolutely. I mean, we have to be mindful of how many resources are really available to us online. And, and now that we've had to... Uh, uh, stretch our proverbial knowledge about what is out there. You know, we as a company have been doing a tremendous amount of research as to how to engage people who are unable to um, to do so in person. Um, one of the ways that we find is Zoom is a great tool if we can use that with our clients. There are many things that can be done together with them, and families can do this as well, where I might be sharing my screen, and there might be, uh, we might be looking at the Earth Observatory together and talking through that, or we might be looking at, um, uh, say, a yoga class that we're doing together because I'm sharing my screen. You know, all they would have to do is be able to get on to, um, Zoom in order for you to be able to interact with them. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of fun. Um, you can tour the Smithsonian, for example. Um, there are a lot of other resources, Tai Chi, chair yoga. Um, there there's are, the um, Good so News Network. I highly mm -hmm. recommend to people some of my clients. I find I'm sorry, the I, what network, Crystal? Uh, the Good News Network. Okay. And what I find is we all need a break from, 
you know, the negativity and the discourse that's happening on our news. And as informed consumers, a lot of our clients continue to watch their news of choice. And I I do see a, a, a very definite connection between lots of news watching and the other symptoms that we describe, the depression, the anxiety. And so we've introduced some of our clients to the Good News Network instead. And there are all sorts of things that are more upbeat, that are more positive in terms of what's going on around the world. And it sort of shields them, if even for a time, mm-hmm. from you know the negativity that's occupying most of our news channels. Yeah, that's probably uh, a good bit of advice for people other than seniors as well. I yes. <laughs> I'm going to check it out. <laughs> you yeah. can also do things like touring national parks online. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many, many websites out there for just about anything um, mm-hmm. that your loved one might want to engage in. Mm-hmm. Right, because particularly those who live at a distance, I mean, in the past, you would fly in or drive into town and you would stay with mom and visit. And I think there are a lot of um, family members who really are so afraid of bringing COVID to their parent that, you know, they're opting to not see them. Um, Right. You know, recently I was listening to the news and someone was talking about COVID and Thanksgiving and, Um, I think some uh, anchor said in kind of an off-the-cuff way, well, this might be a good year for the senior members of the families to just not be there. And, you know, it just broke my heart that that is the reality. Um, It's certainly the reality for me with a young daughter who is just too afraid uh, because, you know, her fiancé works in the community. You know, they work in the community. And so anyway, um, so. You know, another thing that that brings to mind, Nancy, is we all have to get creative as far as how we're doing this. So what if mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they had a home-delivered meal sent to mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, and they participated in a Zoom dinner? You know, where everyone mm-hmm. isn't physically together, but mm-hmm. they get to see everyone, they get to appreciate, mm-hmm. you know, everything that's going on around them. I think that we have to start thinking differently about what connectedness means right now. Um, yes. It, it, although we'd all ideally like that to be in person where you can give a big squeeze to the person you love. Yes. But there are health risks associated with it, and we can't deny that this pandemic exists. So, right. you know, what is mom's favorite restaurant? Or, you know, is she a turkey person? Or might you deliver something else that's one of her favorites <laughs> and participate, you know, mm-hmm. in a Zoom call while you're all eating together mm-hmm. at your own tables? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm imagining the, the laptop at the head of the table. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's so a, it doesn't have to great be thought. either or black or white. Mm-hmm. We just have to channel our inner creativity and help ourselves to determine how we can do this in a way that keeps us safe, but also in a way that engages our very, very vulnerable seniors. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
Talk a little bit about the word engagement. Um, I'm sure you've thought a lot about it. I mean, it's, it's not always what I think mom might want to, you know, it, it's not simply an activity. Even before COVID, I know we've had this conversation, you and I, um, you know, there were those individuals in communities, even living in communities, who were not joiners, who were not you know, the, one, the first one or even the last one to sign up for an activity, um, the loners, if you will. Um, you know, the, I, I'm sure you've given a lot of thought to how do you engage that person? Absolutely. And I think that I want to I definitely uh, draw the distinction between engagement and activities because mm-hmm. I've had the question asked many times, you know, how do you differ from other people providing this type of service in our, in, our, um, in our workspace? And what I say to them is that engagement truly means that you are establishing a meaningful, individualized connection with another person. For example... One of our clients was the keeper of birthdays in her family. She was always the one who knew when everyone's birthdays were, and she was always the one that made sure to get a card out to them. Perhaps she reminded others to get a card out to them. And so for her, that was where her sense of purpose resides. So what we ended up doing is asking of her family, including siblings, children, grandchildren, send us a picture of you and your birthday. And we created this rather large calendar that had everybody's birthday. And at the first of the month, our enrichment specialist would sit down with her and they would use scrapbooking, card making kits um, to actually make cards for all the people who had birthdays in that month Mm -hmm. so the cards would go out and the secondary gain was everyone who received the card would then place a call to say thank you so much it meant so much so Mm -hmm. she was able to reestablish this purpose in her family Mm -hmm. so the difference between engagement, which is what we're doing, and activities. Activities would say, I would show up with a chessboard or connect four or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and I would engage in that person, with that person in that activity, whether that was truly in their interests or not, right? Right. So mm-hmm. the engagement part of it is finding out who that person is and helping them reestablish a life that includes who they are. Hmm. Okay. The other thing that I would say, you said, how do you engage that person that's not a joiner? Mm -hmm. We encounter many people who are not joiners, but who would gladly and willingly participate in engagement one-on-one in things that interest them. Another example, we have a client who has been horseback riding since he was five years old. This is a very important part of his life. He's now in his early 70s and has dementia. Mm -hmm. 
And we were able to find two ranches locally who were able to offer this gentleman and our enrichment specialist the opportunity to trail ride in a supervised way. And he does that at least once a week. It's meaningful connections. It's meaningful engagement. And that differs for every client that we serve, as you well know. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's a really helpful distinction. Um, thank you for that. And so um, there are ways to, I, I mean, families certainly may know their loved one well enough. They may not. I mean, there. I'm sure there's a process that you walk people through or your enrichment specialist does by talking with families and talking with the individual to glean those, those interests. Um, Absolutely. And more often than not, there are a number of perspectives, whether it be the client's perspective, the loved one's perspective, everybody has a different lens, if you will, as to how they view um, their mom, their dad, their uncle, whomever it is. Mm -hmm. And we seek to find all of those angles because we aren't always the best um, storyteller for ourselves, the best advocate for ourselves. So oftentimes expanding the group of who we ask those questions of. And the most important question I feel that we ask is, who was this individual to your family or who is this individual to your family? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in addition to getting a very detailed social history and interest profile, from the perspective of their family, we're trying to find out what role did they play? You know, what made them important um, to the other members of their family? And that's really how we found for our client how important being the keeper of the birthdays was. You know, this is something she did for everybody in the family. She Mm -hmm. is fortunately in the early stages of dementia at this point. So being able to orchestrate all of that, she doesn't have the executive functioning to be able to do that but she is a very willing and eager participant in the process. And I see the difference in her. I see see. Mm -hmm. the light go back on in her eyes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's very important. Nice. Yes. Well, and again, as you said, there are a lot of things online. Um, There's a lot more conversation going on about this. And so, uh, I would hope that uh, if people, uh, although I, you know, doing my research, I Googled social isolation and it was more academic articles, um, perhaps on LinkedIn, um, perhaps looking at your program, uh, which I would like to talk a little bit more about after our next break, which uh, will be coming up shortly. Um, I do want to mention that uh, both you and I have connected with a woman who, um, a former, uh, well, a journalist who wrote a workbook um, uh, and has a product, I think one would Google Life Journey Media or Life Journey Life Story Challenge. 
at any rate, she, um, in looking at her product, she, it, it, it's for seniors who are interested in telling their own story, um, leaving a legacy for loved ones. She has a great product. Um, the first two chapters that you use um, are provided free. Um, it, it, it's a six-chapter process with six questions for each chapter. And by the time you answer the 36 questions, you've written a book. You can share it with family. You can upload photos. Um, your family can help edit. And ultimately, there's a product, uh, an actual physical book provided. Um, I did want to mention that um, I, I and... Uh, uh, an enrichment specialist, thoughtful engagement coordinator um, that I work with um, under your program. Uh, we are doing a four-week class using her um, using her program. And so for any listeners that are interested, um, rose at aginglifecm.com is the way to um, get some information. Um, at any rate, we're going to go to break and in a minute. And when we come back, um, if you don't mind, Crystal, I'd like to talk a little bit more about your thoughtful engagement program, uh, what this service is, how long you've been doing this, and um, um, perhaps we can discuss some other ways people can find things online to help their loved ones. That sounds terrific. Um, the Life Journey book, I think, yes. is a wonderful way for people to interview their own loved one. Mm-hmm. You find out information that you've never known, and this process prompts you to ask the questions that you might not even think of asking. It's, a, it's just a wonderful way to yes. learn someone's true life. Story. Oh, that's a good way. That's another good way to use it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I hadn't thought that, but yes, absolutely. Um, thank you for that. You're so far a lot of really good suggestions. My favorite is the laptop at the head of the Thanksgiving table. I think that I think that one's going to work for me. So, okay. We're going to go to break, and uh, when we come back, um, you'll hear more from Crystal and her thoughtful engagement program. We'll be right back. Thanks. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step? Is your family in crisis? Do you need advice or help making a difficult decision for an aging loved one? Aging Life Network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation, offer practical step-by-step guidance, tell you the questions to ask, and help you understand the maze of options. Their network of life care professionals, available to you through HIPAA-compliant video conferencing and calls, will work with you to create action plans to solve your current and real-time problems. Aging Life Network's online educational center, ALN Academy, offers 24-7 access to the most up-to-date and accurate information for seniors and their families. Through podcast interviews with senior care experts, 
articles, and live webinars, Aging Life Network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one. Check out aginglifenetwork.com today and find the answers you need. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. And I'm here with Crystal Littlejohn, who um, is the founder and CEO of uh, a new company relatively new called Thoughtful Engagement and I am interested in I know you've been doing this for a long time I'm I'm uh, pretty impressed that you have taken it to this level and so I want to hear a little bit more about you and um, this program and how uh, folks can share with others um, ways to um, you know connect with you on this related to this program. Absolutely. So this um, concept had been in my mind for about five years before actually doing anything with it. Um, The subject of social isolation for seniors has been very important to me, both as a care manager um, and now as the owner of Thoughtful Engagement. And I'll take you back just a few years. Um, I was finding that I was interacting with clients in our work at geriatric resources as care managers. I would do a private consultation and would find that they didn't need the services that we were offering, yet they were lonely. They were isolated. They were eager to socialize. And, you know, maybe that hour that I spent with them consulting about our services didn't come to fruition in truth because they didn't need the service we offered. And that began to happen with more frequency. And I thought to myself, these are individuals who are isolated, who are looking for the mailman to come as the highlight of their day, um, who are looking for people like me who come to consult with them as the highlight of their day. They are also people in many cases because of that loneliness who are exploited by the uh, landscaper who's going up and down the road telling them they need tremendous work or the gentleman who's telling them that they absolutely need an air conditioner because he can see from the Uh street that it's not working. You know, people become very vulnerable when they're Mm -hmm. lonely. Yes, they do. And so I thought about different ways to interface with these folks. And it so happened that I did a consultation with um, two long-term partners. They had been married for 28 years. He now has um, dementia. She is an exhausted caregiver who is still very young um, and Mm -hmm. really needed an outlet. She was okay with 
taking him to appointments and she pretty well had everything well in hand. Mm -hmm. But what was happening was he was not engaged and she was exhausted and lacking in any respite. And so upon meeting them, I decided this is how we can help people. What if we could come up with a way to engage him in a way that's meaningful to him and offer her the respite that she is seeking? Mm -hmm. And that's where it all began. Mm -hmm. So we um, developed Thoughtful Engagement as a, uh, an additional service offered through our business that is completely social in nature. Um, we're looking at our clients apart from the physical. Um, we're looking at quality of life through social enrichment, personal connection, and a person-centered focus. We have clients that are going horseback riding. We have clients that are bowling. We have clients that are going to the theater. Um, there are many ways that we are interacting with these folks, and it works. It helps the primary caregiver, and it helps that client. And that is how thoughtful engagement came to be. Mm -hmm. So as we were doing this over the last two and a half years, mm -hmm. I was approached by other uh, care management firms such as myself who were looking at the same issues in their areas. And so they ask, is there a possibility that we could utilize this program rather than doing all the footwork in order to create it ourselves? And yes. so we, um, that came Thoughtful Engagement Incorporated, the company, and mm -hmm. we're helping uh, geriatric care management firms uh, throughout the country to expand their service offerings to mm -hmm. um, include this wonderful program. That's that's great. Um, yes, I I know that. Um, yeah, we were very excited when we learned about your program. Um, so um, let me ask you a question that I'm sure you've gotten before. How is that different than hiring? you know, a caregiver from an agency? I truly get that question a lot, Nancy, and I'm mm -hmm. glad that you asked. Um, there is a place for everyone in this business, and caregivers serve a vital role, um, making sure their clients are bathed and dressed and supervised. Mm -hmm. Our program takes it one step further. We are not... Um, we are looking at the client as more than warm, dry, and fed. We're trying to refuel in them what gave them purpose and can continue to give them purpose, even if what they want to do needs to be done in a modified way. So as we talked about getting that social history from our clients early on, we're learning things like we had a client who was a DJ in Vietnam. We reached out to the local classic rock stations, which is his music of preference, and we were able to coordinate for him a one-hour visit with our um, thoughtful engagement specialist to see how that uh, radio station operates now. He was in his glory, and they even let him call out their call letters uh, using his <laughs> best radio voice. Um, mm -hmm. We found out where he graduated from high school and arranged for an alumni tour. 
um, it's personalized in a way that speaks to that individual's life. I think that we tend to to self-limit as individuals as we get older. You know, I find myself saying more, when I was young, I could do that. When I was young, I could do that. Um, but it doesn't have to be that. We may be engaged in the things we used to in a modified way, but why not? And so as thoughtful engagement specialists, we are asking the question, why not? You're a buff, theater buff. Okay, maybe we can't exactly get out and see a theater, or maybe there's an outdoor socially distanced program being offered at one of the high schools. You know, we're looking at how to connect what has been important to that individual throughout their life with what we can make that for them now. And it's yes. completely individual. And that's why this program is so important. So not only does your um, engagement specialist um, approach the senior differently than a caregiver from an agency, but the, the, you know, the truth is, and I don't know, agency listeners might disagree with me on this, but from, you know, 20 years of working with agencies, um, it is a rare caregiver. They do exist, but it is a very rare caregiver who sees the person in the way you're describing and is able to engage the person in the way you're describing. Um, and so I can see where there would be a place for, uh, you know, a professional, paraprofessional who um, would um, make this sort of the, the primary framework of, of their work with seniors. Does that make Absolutely. sense? Absolutely. You know, we, we call ourselves joy facilitators here in the office. Um, <laughs> But it, it's, it's a way to help our clients live, laugh, experience adventure, you know, in whatever way that is, whatever way is important to them. Mm-hmm. One of our clients would really like to read to the blind. And so right now we're working on trying to find a program where, where he can volunteer to Uh, Read to the Blind, he has a wonderful speaking voice. It is something he has done in the past. You know, even if it's in a modified format like uh, Zoom, we're working on the details of how to make that happen Mm -hmm. for him. So, Mm -hmm. you know, this program is about really engaging. I I can't say the word engaging enough in a meaningful mm -hmm. way. Well, there's um, in two weeks, um, I'll be um, doing a show with a, a physician from Alabama. He works for the VA. And I was intrigued when I came across him that um, he wrote a pocket guide for caregivers, but also what you know, he's, he's, uh, and this is outside of his day job. He's doing a lot of research and work around innovative care models for people with dementia, but he talks about his father. He has a great story about his father discovering his artistic side and becoming an artist literally, um, after his diagnosis. So I, I'm really looking forward to hearing his story. Uh, but it, it works, it, it, you know, it plays into what we're, talking about here um, 
it's just really seeing the person and, and you know, and, and it doesn't exclude caregivers necessarily um, from agencies. You know, if you're going on these outings, that person may have care needs and a caregiver may be there as well, I assume, sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think even more importantly, um, we can put things in place so that when that individual is with the caregiver, they can engage on this more meaningful level as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And family members, you know, we are typically only with our clients once or twice a week. We do have clients that we're seeing three times a week, but it would be remiss of us not to put something in place to re-engage husband and wife you know, mm-hmm. client and caregivers. So mm-hmm. we really like to be the gift that keeps on giving. If we find something that they like and we can order a kit and send it to their house and they can do mm-hmm. it with their loved one, you know, then we're going to mm-hmm. do that as well. And the caregivers have been very receptive to being part of that mm-hmm. on the hours when we're not present. So you're sharing this, you're licensing this program to um, care managers around the country. Is that my understanding? Is that correct? is correct. We've also mm-hmm. got um, a home care company who is looking at the program as well. So it's not limited okay. um, to uh, geriatric care managers. Any agency who feels like this would be something that's value added to their business can certainly reach out to me at Thoughtful Engagement. Uh, excuse me. Our website is thoughtfulengagement.org. They can also reach out to us at email solutions at Thoughtful Engagement. Solutions at Thoughtful Engagement. Very good. That's great. Um, well, I hope that um, I, I wish you every success and I hope that your program uh, becomes more prevalent around the country. I encourage our listeners to look online for um, engagement opportunities for family as suggested by Crystal today. Um, I also, um, you know, you can um, share this uh, show uh, with uh, others, friends, family, loved ones, uh, by having them go to aginglifenetwork.com and looking, um, uh, you know, clicking on the ALN podcast button, and that will bring them directly to this show. And um, yeah, I appreciate you being with me today, Crystal. This has been very uh, illuminating and um, and I believe helpful for everybody. So thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Nancy, and keep doing what you're doing. This is just absolutely marvelous. Thank you. And I will um, talk with you all next week and uh, have a great week. Be safe. Safe travels. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in this week to Aging Life Network. Please join host Nancy Oriola for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We can't wait to talk again.